Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 209. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today to talk to you about video games, although I got something something to announce, something that doesn't probably does not really matter to anybody, and I will say this up front, if you're like, wow, I do not care, I am perfectly happy and fine with you not caring. Um, but after many, many a year of being like, I probably should have a way for people to give me money for what I do in case they want to do that. I finally did it. You finally can give me money if you want. <laughs> um, so I opened up a coffee. If you don't know, that it, don't know what that is, it's like a, a one-time donation service where you basically go ahead and donate money uh, to One Control Report if you want to. One Control Report obviously being me. I'm the sole person of this website. This is my country and I run it. Um, but but yeah, it's, um you know, I think it's very, very important to stress for me that I don't need any money. Um, like that is not something that I am in, like, I, I, I am very fortunate with, with my position in life. Um, so, you know, the, the, it's not something that I absolutely need to survive or anything like that. Um, but it is probably overdue. And, you know, I, I think you guys probably know well enough that I'm very, I'm very open and, and don't like, like to really ask for this stuff, and I would, I would stress very hard that I would not ask you to do anything if you don't want to, right, um, like, I don't need this, again, and, and it's not gonna hurt my feelings if you don't donate money, I will say this, I consume a lot of people's content on the internet, and I'm not a part of anybody's Patreon, I, I have very rarely ever donated money to anybody's anything, so I am 100%, like, not, like totally understand um like like that situation and you, you don't have to do anything but i do put a lot on the website work on the website it is there um technically it is something that you kind of get something back from although it's very very light um so basically if you donate um and i don't know if i'm doing this right or not or something but um on there i basically say if you donate um you can include one of two things you can include a uh, podcast topic, and I'll talk about that uh, on the podcast for a little bit, you know, to the best of my ability. You know, obviously, if you're like, hey, tell me about your feelings on the God of War franchise, you know, you're probably not going to get a lot out of me in that regard. You probably will hear me talk a lot about the God of War 3 demo that I played once, and that's about it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's there if you had anything that you're like, well, I wish Ben would talk about this to some degree. Are you going to get a whole podcast about that? Um you know, not for at least the minimum donation amount or whatever I have set there. I don't expect anybody to donate beyond the minimum. Um, but it's basically like, hey, if you want to like have a one section of the, the podcast be about this, so maybe like three to five minutes, right? Something along those lines. Uh, the other thing you can do is, is if you want to request like a game for the stream, um, you basically can do that and we'll basically prioritize, um, you know, on, on, on one of the weeks that we go out of our way to play that game for at least, I, I, I think I put the exact time in the, in the uh, coffee, but I think it's like 20 minutes or something like that. So, so at least a little bit of time that we sit down and play it. Now, obviously, you know, there are things that I'm going to end up talking about on the podcast, uh, no matter what, anyways. And then also, you know, there's plenty of times where I ask you guys on stream if you want to to me to play something. So I don't really know how much of a reward that is, but it's a way that you can be like, hey, you know, Ben doesn't really have anything set up coming up that I can do this. So if you want to influence it in that regard, you can kind of do it there. Um, and I set the reward to also be very specific. Um, it is basically 30 bucks right now. I want to keep it really low. Um, and and basically, uh, I want to look at maybe purchasing an SD card uh, media reader thing for my PC that will go into like, I don't know what the slots are called. You know, the front slots where you put the CD drives and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, one of those because it will make it easier for me to kind of manage stuff on SD cards. Right now, I don't have an SD media reader for my PC and the uh, USB ones I have are really finicky, so I actually use my laptop to do anything on an SD card, and it's actually kind of a pain to work to work on that. Also, I don't have a compact flash flash card reader, which I could use for my PC98 for troubleshooting the sound card on there. So there's like reasons for it, and you know, it does, you know, it's stuff that I, <laughs> I think you already know that I, I keep really busy when it comes to the website, so it does not really necessarily guarantee we'll be doing more content around that stuff, but it definitely kind of eases the path for me to to get there to do that so um that's what it is right now um maybe it will change again not a huge deal if you don't want to donate um if you want to know how to donate i don't have 
everything set up at this point. Um, but basically on the website, I think on the individual post page, there's a, there's a coffee link on those individual post page. There's not one on the homepage right now. I need to figure that one out. I tried putting it on the top bar, but I have too many things on the top bar. So I basically created another level and I didn't want to do that. Um, also obviously included in the description for this podcast. And then also, um, I think it's in the YouTube descriptions and it's on like the Twitter page for, for one control report. So I'm trying to spread it around a little bit. Um, but yeah, again, no stress about donating anything, perfectly fine, but it's there if you'd like to do it. So congratulations me for spend saying, talking about it for two and a half years, probably, and finally doing it. Um, so, so yeah. Anyways, video games. That's what you're here for. I think, I don't know why else you'd be here unless you want to hear me talk about video games. Not like I'm talking about much else. Maybe you're just here to hear me make a fool out of myself. Um, so, so yeah, this weekend I played a game called DC Superhero Girls Teen Power, which if um, you haven't been around the last handful of podcasts, I've shown interest in this game off and on. And I actually didn't think I was going to end up getting it. Uh, but my, my sister, I talked to her about it a little bit and she decided to get it for me as like a belated birthday present. So thank you. Uh, sister Ben for for getting that to me uh, because I definitely need more video games in my life but I went ahead and played uh, two chapters or I completed two chapters I'm on chapter three so far and it's an interesting game it's basically like a 3d brawler and you play as a variety of uh, I guess girl versions of superheroes although some of these are I think I don't know some of these are actually already just girl characters like I think Batgirl's like a real thing I'm gonna be up front with you i don't know anything about dc so i think batgirl is a real person i think super girl or super woman might be a real person uh harley quinn i know the harley quinn uh things like that so so green lantern i don't know if, if like lady green lantern is very much of a thing anyways so you play as like a variety of super powered girls that are all like teens in high school kind of thing and it's based off a TV show, as far as I'm aware. I have not ever seen the TV show or anything like that. So very much, very much a kids-focused property for sure. Um, and it's basically like a 3D brawler. You know, you have a variety of basic combos that you can do, where you um, basically, you know, smash the Y button, and at the end of that, there's like a combo finisher, and that will basically stun or push back enemies. And depending on the girl you're playing, there's different um, um, types of, of finishers. Like Supergirl has like this fist that grows and like will punch enemies and launch them far off. Where Wonder Woman has like a spin attack that will hit multiple enemies away and things like that and it's kind of built around um, a couple different uh, mechanics one is uh, dodging which essentially is just if you dodge or dodge like right as something attacks you you get the ability to basically counter an enemy um, instead of like doing a combo you just go straight into your finisher so you just go ahead and slam down on the enemy or whatever the, the character's attack is um, and then you have a variety of other smaller skills so you have um, like a a additional ranged attack that you can get that's basically free for you to use whenever and then you have two skills on cooldowns one being like a usually like Something that's more about manipulating the enemy, whether that be freezing them or like with the with the Wonder Woman, like throwing the golden lasso and pulling them down and tripping them, things like that. And then you have like a super move that basically is like a big area clearing move. And both of those are on cooldown timers. So you have to wait for those uh, uh, to charge. But it feels pretty good to play overall. I think it's a... Uh, a, a solid 3D brawler in that regard. Um, is it particularly challenging? I wouldn't say so. I haven't really had too much trouble with, with dying or anything like that. There's a lot of like things you can go collect in the environment for extra money. And so you can use that money to buy uh, different clothing and, and you can also buy buildings. Which we'll get into that in a little bit with the, uh, the open world aspect of the game. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just like a very solid brawler. Um, the one thing that I think is, is kind of neat about it is even if you know the game isn't particularly challenging each mission starts with uh three challenges for you so that can be completing a level within a particular period of time uh not dropping below a certain amount of hp or also like doing a particular number of combos or or doing a particular number of of, of dodges and then counter attacks basically um so there is like kind of an incentive there for you to play well and you get like money and exp as a reward for doing that so so it's not just like hey i'm just gonna you know, mash it out and just eat all this damage. It's worth like trying to really dodge and, and, and play the game well um, to, to try to get those extra points. My only real gripe with that system is that they don't show you the objectives by default. You have to pause the game to see what the sub objectives are for a mission, which I don't know, that that's weird. I kind of wish they just showed it to you at the start and then like let it fall off screen afterwards rather than making you press the start button to pull it up. Um, you can replay missions later. So I'm assuming that when you do that, they probably are more upfront with those, those uh, sub objectives 
objectives. Maybe the intention is that you more tackle them, you know, after the fact rather than on your first time through. But I think it's a cool way to like keep a player engaged who, you know, isn't being particularly challenged by the game. Um, but, you know, do the, do like recognize they need to do a bit more to get that like ex extra exp and and money so with that exp and money you can uh kind of dress up your characters there's a there's a handful of outfits so far that well i say a handful it's, it's more like there's like two or three base outfits you can choose and then uh there's like recolored versions of those i'm not sure how much that expands later on and those clothes are are based on well the initial clothes clothing shop you go to is based on like your teen form so it's when you're not transformed you're just walking around the city as a girl and then you can like switch out your outfits and things like that um but you also can get like superhero costumes too later on um so so kind of how the open world of this game works is there is a, a series of hubs basically so you can be at the school the school is a very simple hub it's basically just like a strip of land it's more of an introductory place that they drop you at the beginning of the game or at the beginning of a mission and then you kind of talk with different students there and then you go to the cities for actual actual things and so far i have old city which is basically like the the core hub of the game right now and you basically go there and you can do a variety of quests you can find some collectibles in the environment and things like that and you'll get like exp and money for all those it's all also, you know, where some of the main story stuff is. So you get into battles there and you'll fight within that city and things like that. Um, but it is it is not like a huge open world game. It's, it's, it's very these areas are very compact, especially like the school. The school area is not really an open world area, but the, like old city, there are like multiple alleys and multiple streets you can go down. But it's maybe only like two or three rows of streets per, per area, essentially. But they feel like they have a density that make it feel like it is kind of an open world that you're exploring. You know, there's a lot of buildings. There's a lot of NPCs. The NPCs kind of remind me of Yokai Watch NPCs to some degree for some reason. Um, and so you can you can kind of like go around and explore the city, you know, without having to do a lot of footwork, right? You, you basically just kind of go from, from little objective to objective. And usually there's a pretty nice cycle of finding new, new things to do. And then also finding like other things in the environment as you kind of go around the environment. So, so that's kind of old city. And, and I like that. I like that design personally. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of compact areas that feel open it's what i love about crystal bears open worlds um and also the uh deus ex uh original deus ex specifically like all those areas feel really open but when you feel like if you like zoom out the camera and see them from above they're actually not that open it's just like what how the game lets you navigate around them um just feels open so in this game you can actually even though you're just teens at least so far in the game in the main world uh you can run around and you can jump on like different uh like you know I forget what they're called, but like, you know, those cloth kind of overhangs over things and then they'll bounce you up. There's also cars you can jump off that will bounce you up. So it gives you a lot of flexibility and, and kind of navigating the world, but it's not so flexible that you can just kind of go wherever you do have to kind of like path out where you're going across the top of these buildings, uh, to get to certain things. So it's not just as upline, like, okay, I just need to jump on something near here. You might need to jump on like one roof. That's like across the area, then follow these beams that go all the way over to go find something on this particular roof. Um, and I kind of, I like that personally. I, I'm a big fan of like, just trying to figure out that pathfinding again, just keeping it very, very compact and, and, and interesting in that particular area. There's also like a social media system in this game too. So you can go ahead and like do a few things. You can uh, take pictures of things in the environment. There's like trending things at times. So like, like pink parasols are, are in right now. So you can go and find different pink parasols in the environment, take pictures and it'll get like likes and follows and getting more likes and follows seems to basically allow you to access more quests, things like that. Um, there's also like these logos they kind of go around and ask you to take pictures of for a particular quest line. I will say the, for the logos, I don't think they mark that you've taken a picture of a logo. So you just kind of have to remember whether or not you looked at a logo, um, which is kind of weird. That's probably my one gripe with the game is just that logo system. But the reality is, is that like at the end of the day, um, uh, this stuff is kind of throwaway for the most part. I mean, it's stuff to do in the environment. You get money and EXP for it and it keeps it feeling busy. But it's not like I'm, I'm not going to kill myself over the logos not being something I can track easily um, or anything like that. So I like that a lot. Um, there's also another city as well. I forget what it's called. It's like something harbor. And with that city, it basically starts off completely blown up, essentially. And when you go there, there are quests and things you can do while you're there. But the, the big thing is, is that as you progress through the story, you can build buildings there. So you, the first building I made was like an apartment complex. I couldn't figure out what the apartment complex really did for me, honestly. I was like, okay, this is here. It's something. 
and it exists. <laughs> but but I did build a, a uh, hero's outfit shop so I can go to a outfit shop and buy new clothes for my when my characters are transformed into their hero form, essentially. I'm not sure if you can ever go on the overworld as a hero. I'm very curious about that because there's some weird things about like how Wonder Woman moves specifically. Like she has a shield that lets you bounce around the environment if you like stick it into walls. It's very not useful in combat, but like it would make more sense in like an open world environment where you're just kind of navigating around. And I don't really know why it, if, if there's no open world mechanic for, for, for being transformed, I don't really know why you need that skill. Like, you know, Supergirl can fly and things like that too. So, and you could switch, switch between characters. I think there's up to six characters that you can play as. Um, I, I have only unlocked three. So it's a, a Batgirl, Supergirl, and um, Wonder Woman. And I think the other ones are Harley, Harley Quinn, um, Catwoman, or Catgirl, or what, I don't know what she's called in this game. I think there's like Stardust something. I, I don't know. I don't know any of these characters. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, aesthetically though, like, I mean, it's, it's, I think I said it earlier, this is based off like a kid's TV show and uh, I'm going to guess, you know, I've never seen anything about the kid's TV show, but I'm going to guess this, this game fits that style very well. And I think the, other than some really kind of awkwardly paced lines at the very beginning of the game, I'm not sure what was up with that. There's like, like three scenes where like characters just kind of repeat each other a little bit and then it never really happens again after that it's it's, it's kind of bizarre um but but once they once it gets going essentially um the dialogue is very very playful and fun the voice acting seems really top-notch or at least i i think it's good for, for for what it is again this is a kids show thing so you know your expectations need to be in check and for some people that's just never gonna work right um but but i think it's like aesthetically a, a, a nice looking game um it is i'm not a huge fan of western cartoons in terms of look i definitely prefer like in more anime uh style but you know i think it i think it, the, the 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 visual style complements the game well and the tone well and and more importantly probably um i think it fits on the switch really well the game runs uh great i think this is the only platform it's on i mean nintendo's publishing it so so that that would be the case at least right now um and and i think it's a great looking game and it runs well the biggest problem is just you know that whole thing on switch where like things in the background run at like three frames per second instead so sometimes you'll just see like a character in the background just like horribly animating and you're like yeah yeah, this is a Switch game. Um, I don't know who made this game, which is very strange to me. So Nintendo published this game. Like, it's it's like if, if you know Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, Nintendo published that too. And Team Ninja was the developer, which is a very bizarre thing. DC Superhero Girls, also published by Nintendo. I don't know who the developer is. I try to look into it. And admittedly, I did like the most deepest of research or anything, but just like trying to find the developer listed, I couldn't find a developer. So I'm really curious who made this. Something about like the aesthetically reminds me a lot of like level five's games. I don't think level five worked on it, but just aesthetically something about it reminded me of that. Maybe it's Tose. Tose is here, ready to perform, ready to be that, that, you know, behind the current developer again. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if Tosei's around these days or what they're doing, to be honest with you. Probably mobile games like every other developer who who disappears off the face of the planet for 10 years. Although Tosei was always kind of designed to disappear off the, the face of the planet, right? So anyways, I think it's like really good for, overall. And I think the I think the big thing for me is the overworld. The overworld is really compact, really tight, and really strong. Um, even if the content that you're doing in there is not particularly unique, how they pack that content into the environment and how they round it out um, is just really well done. And I think that's very important for me in a game that's going to take that approach. I hate games that have a lot of space for no reason. And and this game is is very smart about the space it uses. And I think that's like something that's very commendable about the title in, in some ways. I really want to play more, um, but right now I'm just kind of backed up on games we're going to talk about a couple more games here that i that i am playing one another one in particular i i really want to sit down and and uh invest some time into but i just have not been in a position to complete games lately so so yeah um but dc supergirl heroes superhero girls rather teen power seems pretty all right you should check it out if you like the trailer take a look at it take a look at it if you're like cool with like games made for 12 year olds you should check it out, in my opinion. But, you know, I got it for free. So what am I to say? <laughs> so the other game I played, and this was like Saturday last week, I think. So it's, it's been a little bit. 
But I played uh, Tori no Hoshi Aerial Planet, which um, is a game I never heard of before. I was at Retro City Games here in Las Vegas and uh, found a copy there. Retro City Games, weirdly enough, has like a decent import selection, which which if you ever go to like like we play games in Las Vegas, for some reason their import selection is always just kind of dull i guess um um it, it never changes another thing where, where i feel like retro city games they're, they're always getting new imports in but anyways so so this game i never saw it before i saw it was an nis game and it's a really late ps2 game it's like 2008 so um but it's basically this game that is like a survival exploration game where you use a hang glider and you study birds and it's like a weird set of things. It's very anime aesthetic. Um, and it's only out in Japan as well. So this is a, a Japanese only release as far as I can tell. Um, if, if, you, if you want to compare it to some games, I feel like it's like lost in blue if you had a glider in some ways. You had a glider and you're also playing Africa or Pokemon Snap. <laughs> um, um, so, so yeah, it's really cool. And like aesthetically or, or maybe like just vibe wise, very relaxing, great soundtrack the the copy i got actually came with a at least a soundtrack selections i don't know if it has the entire soundtrack on there i'm gonna guess probably not um but it, it just has this really amazing music and it's a very chill game you basically well to some degree it's very chill so so, so the actual what you're doing moment to moment is very chill of you just kind of like you know taking your glider flying around getting close to these birds taking pictures of them and learning about them and you use the things you learn about them to to help you survive so in the case of the first uh area the big thing is you're trying to get to another island you're basically you know crash landed on this planet and you know there's a research lab on this planet but there's no way for them to get to you so you have to get to them and the planet's like 99 percent water so you know you have to basically island hop to get there or at least Story-wise, you have to island hop to get there. You don't actually do the island hopping on your own, at least not so far after the first chapter. Um, or uh, uh, I only completed the first chapter, rather. And and so you, in this case, it's like, okay, well, the GPS isn't good enough to make sure we actually get there. We'll go, you know, potentially we'll fly out to the sea and die. So it's like, well, what if we like migrate with other birds, essentially? So you go and learn about these birds, you collect voice data from them, and you use that voice data to basically assimilate into their, um, their crowd. And then you go and use that voice to draw in a bunch of them together. And then you all fly across the ocean together to get to the next island. Um, and the initial section is very much just about like, you know, making sure that you make, you go land back at camp when you need to, you know, eat your food. Cause you have basically infinite food rations in your, in your, uh, crash landed ship that you can keep taking. Uh, but once you get to the next area after that, you need to start scavenging because you no longer have access to your food. So you need to learn, um, basically what the, the birds are eating to, to, uh, find food and everything like that. And since you're not really sure about anything on the planet, like the duck names and, and things like that, or the bird names or, or what the food is, you get the opportunity to name it. And, and thankfully they let you name it in English characters. Cause that makes it a lot easier for me. Um, so you can sit there and like name things as well. Um, so it's just this very, um, you know, chill and relaxing game, but it has that, element of survival with it where you have to worry about not only crash landing because you can definitely do that um, but also you know make sure you have enough food that your character doesn't die essentially and i haven't really had any trouble with with dying yet in terms of not you know just crashing or something but i have um not been able to figure out the food situation on the second island yet um, really, I, I'm still kind of confused. They asked me to like search for 20 pieces of food and I haven't been able to do any of that yet. So I need to spend some more time with it, but it's just like a really cool game. It's just really relaxing to play. And, um, if, if you've been listening to the podcast a long time, um, I think the biggest comparison I can make is like Blueport J in that game. Uh, if you don't know what that game is, basically it is a, um, kind of a, island exploration game where you play as these three girls and you go around the island and you'll go underwater go into underwater ruins and explore uh various places there and like learn about the island and basically prevent the island from getting um uh bulldozed and you know you know paved over by some some company that wants to make a resort or something so it's like this really fun exploration game i will warn you for blueport j specifically it does kind of have not so much in the the game itself but if you are kind of aware of the person who made it and kind of their sexual interests, you can kind of start connecting some dots as to what's happening in this game that might 
make some people uncomfortable, <laughs> um, specifically around drowning and things like that. Um, but when you think about it from a game mechanic, at least, let's set all that stuff aside, that baggage. Let's put all that baggage aside. <laughs> but when you think about it as a game, um, it is like this this really interesting balance between um, exploring this island in a very casual, calm way, and then having to manage your oxygen and try not to die underwater and things like that. So, so I like that kind of balance. And this game reminds me a lot of that balance of just like really, um, really chill environments, but very tense undertone to it kind of thing. So anyways, very cool game. Um, I'm using a phone translation tool and, and that seems to be working pretty well with helping me get through the story as well as, as understand what I need to do next. There's definitely some trial and error for sure. Um, but, but I am, I am leaning more and more on the Google translate camera app tool to translate games. Uh, it is incredibly useful. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I don't really want to do it on stream. I did play a little bit of Tori no Hoshi on, um, um, on stream this week because I, I wasn't able to play any Georgia Cerberus because I, I had to go to a work thing for a while, uh, in the after or at night. Um, but I, I used it on stream. It's just kind of like, it's kind of weird cause I'm like sitting there streaming and then I'm also like staring at my phone and trying to decipher, you know, you're not getting full sentences from this app. You're just getting words that are trying to be translated essentially. So you're like, I'm trying to piece things together, but I'm also trying to think of things to say on, on the stream. So I don't know if we'll ever really resort to that on stream unless we absolutely have to. But um, but in terms of my own personal playtime with Japanese games, I've had great luck with Buddy Mission Bond. I've had a great luck with Tori no Hoshi. Um, so yeah, I think I'm definitely going to keep kind of pursuing using this app for a lot of things. I think I might revisit some PCFX games to try to figure those out with, with that as well. Um, I might play, like I, I lost some footage for First Kiss Story because my drive got full while I was in the middle of recording an arc. Um, so I might go back and play, I, forgot, I think, it, is it Yukiko or something like that? I think Yukiko, I lost her her footage. So I might go back and replay Yukiko, get the footage for that and try using the camera translation tool a bit more. But I remember in First Kiss Story specifically, the problem I had was the uh, text box has a lot of opacity to it. Um, so the translation tool has a really hard time picking out characters when you have a like a... Uh, transparent background like that so i might need to see if i can like edit the window colors and make it less transparent or something along those lines but having a lot of great luck with that what if i just learn japanese instead well i don't got time for that um speaking of not having time for things god eater 3 we did play god eater 3 i don't know why that's speaking of not having time for things i guess god eater is kind of a long game although honestly god eater 3 from what i'm looking at is actually maybe a very short game or at least short compared to god eater resurrection and rage burst i think i talked about this last week but um i played a bit more god eater 3 this week and what was most interesting about it is that they introduced um some additional mechanics on on top of, of the burst arch system so so i'm gonna just kind of leave the other god eater stuff off to the side for now and if you want to you know hear more about base god eater 3 Go listen to last week's podcast. Um, but but essentially, there are some additional mechanics that got put on top of the stuff from last week. Um, basically, one being the acceleration trigger, which is essentially similar to the Rage Burst system in God Eater 2. So you basically have a certain criteria you need to fulfill during combat. So you have to like eat a monster four times. So you can bite in God Eater and like chew off body. Not really chew off body parts, but you can bite at enemies and do damage and, and also technically you're eating them even though you don't really rip anything off them um and then you can also do things like hey just do like a certain number of combos so many times th things like that but unlike rage burst where it was like a long list of things you have to do and then you have to do it within a time limit and then you get like a really big power up uh in this game it is small power up so basically you do like a four hit combo three times and then you get like a 15 uh, second attack boost kind of thing so it's it's a lot more conservative and what you can do with it, at least so far. You can level them up and you can unlock new ones. So there's definitely room for more on that. Um, but it's it, it's kind of a nice way to take that Rage Burst system and kind of condense it down and make it like a core part of that that combat system. Because the problem with Rage Burst is that it was like very, it was, it was basically a very overpowered state in, in God Eater 2. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of decisions in this game in general that feel like, hey, we're trying to roll back some things from God Eater 1 and 2 to try to balance the game a bit better. Um, maybe because they were just like, you know, tacking things on to God Eater as they were like re-releasing those those games over and over again, that it got kind of out of control and you could come, become really like overpowered in those games. And obviously God Eater 3 could very much be the same, but it seems like most of the skills you get in this game are a lot more um, 
conservative in the type of damage output you can do with them. One that we, we also unlocked was like burst art effects, which are basically like an additional attack that kind of comes out of your, your melee combo and things like that. Um, but it's like very subtle. It's like a, a, it's, it's like a projectile typically so far and it will like cut through the enemy. So it will hit all the enemies behind it as well, but it only does like maybe 90 damage per hit where like our, my typical melee attacks doing like 20 damage. So it's like, Yes, it's better to have more damage for sure, um, but it's not really like a, some big overpowered feeling thing, at least so far. But the same thing, burst effect, art effect can also be leveled up, so maybe someday we'll get there where it gets to the point that they're they're very powerful. Um, one other benefit uh, with the acceleration trigger specifically, so the one where you're like fulfilling your criteria and getting a boost, is um, there's a mechanic in this game called the engage bonus, which essentially is where you connect to another player in your party who has a full engage meter, essentially. And I talked about this before, but basically what this is, is done is you can basically choose like an engage power up. And then so you can like increase uh, the attack of bite or the damage of bite damage. You can also increase like defensive capabilities, all those kind of things. Um, but it seems like there's more than just that initial skill, though. You're also sharing um, your acceleration trigger bonus. So if you get like that 15% uh, or 15 second attack boost, you can share that with your your engaged partner essentially with that. Um, and it also is a way you can connect for burst as well. So in God Eater, how the burst uh, effect works is essentially if you bite a God, you get a level one burst. And then uh, you yourself, in most cases, there are exceptions in the other games, but in most cases, you can't actually get yourself up to level three burst. You can only stay at level one burst. Um, and so your partners would typically shoot you with a bullet to get you up in, in, in your burst rating. Um, so it basically requires everybody to kind of like manage each other's buffs. Although there's way you can, ways you can kind of like um, change that later on in, in the previous games to make it more manageable on your own. Um, but in the case of this game, the engage bonus actually will also attach your your burst status with the other player. So if the other player has a three level three burst status, you can also claim that level three burst status by connecting to them. So there's definitely seems to be more to that engage feature than I thought there was going to be, which is is pretty exciting. Um, I'm still of the mind that the story's just not the story writing and characters is just not really doing it for me yet. I need more time with it, but it just seems like. It's moving pretty fast and it, it's moving so fast that it feels like that maybe there's not enough groundwork being done about like why you should care about a lot of these characters. And so you get like these really kind of like cheesy scenes, which is very, very God eater thing. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it feels like there's not a lot of build up to them. So you just kind of like meet this character and then like within, you know, three missions, they have some dramatic scene that happens and you're like, okay. Like, I don't know who this lady is. Um, so, so yeah. It's also, I think there's only, like, seven ranks in the game. So, that rank is, like, the number of, uh, like, category story missions you do. And, and that may be just the base game. I think there's DLC content as well where you can download story missions and things like that. Um, but we're already, like, rank three. And the game just does not really feel like it's picking up in the way that previous God Eaters... Well, actually, it feels kind of in line with previous God Eaters. But the number of story missions seem low if the ranking progresses in the same ways it does it progress in god eater one and two if that makes sense anyways i'm still kind of on the fence about god eater three but i'm definitely excited to get those new features and i think that's definitely something that gives me uh more hope for those games especially the engage mechanic kind of overlapping with other features i think that's very exciting and in, 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 in some ways as well the last game we played, and we actually played this on stream, was uh, Goku Densetsu Magic Beast Warriors, which is basically just a fighting game. I talked about it a little bit last week, just saying that we might play it on stream, and indeed we did. Um, so if you want to see me stream that, that went up uh, on the YouTube and website last week. But essentially, it's a fighting game uh, with FMV cutscenes of people in animal suits. Um, so it's, it's kind of goofy looking. I don't know if I have a lot to say about that game, per se, other than the fact that it is kind of goofy looking, um, and and it's just like a it's, it's just like a straightforward fighting game. Feels good, plays fine. I think it, at least I think so. I'm not a big fighting game person, but everything about it seems all right. Um, I was kind of hoping that we'd be able to get through it in the the stream, but unfortunately, there seems to be limited continues. So 
Um, It's something that I will probably have to sit down and try to grind out and find the best way to tackle those fights or at least the cheapest way to tackle those fights Um, because I'm not good at fighting games. So I don't know how likely it is that I'll be able to improve enough to really get through that that story mode or or anything like that. But I think I'll put some more time into it. It probably will just be something I do when I am in a voice chat with somebody and and not doing anything else. I'm like, yeah, let me just smash away at Goku Densetsu Magic Beast Warriors or whatever. So if you're curious about that and Tori uh, Nohoshi Aerial Planet, I streamed both of those last week. We might stream some DC Superhero Girls uh, Teen Power this week. I'm a bit unsure about that. So I still want to break up the Dirge of Cerberus stream into two streams just to make sure we have time to do the review properly and not have to shove in uh, like the ending section of Dirge of Cerberus um, into a into like a three plus hour stream. So I'm going to split that up. And so we might play some DC Superhero Girls this week if that makes sense Um, otherwise we might check some other stuff out i don't really know yet but we'll play at least an hour or so probably an hour and a half of dirge of cerberus we'll at least get to two chapters before the end of the game that's for sure so yeah in terms of news this week, there's there's not a lot, um, but there are a few things that I do want to talk about. Um, one is their E3 schedule is 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 up basically, and you know I'm I'm excited to see what what comes out of it. Although I think I'm I'm somebody who goes into these events now with kind of like the lowest level expectation of like yeah we might see more Halo, yeah Nintendo's gonna announce like a game maybe show off Breath of the Wild two or something like that. Like I have pretty low expectations for these shows most of the time, and usually that serves me very well because even if a show is bad i'm like yeah that was okay (laughs) especially the nintendo shows particularly although microsoft i am always just like microsoft this is the year you got to figure it out i feel like the last half decade has been me being like microsoft do you have your shit together this year and the answer is always no they don't they still don't have any video games so any video games specific to them so hopefully this is the year i'm gonna guess not because they still haven't really like had a lot of distance and time from like buying a lot of publishers recently. Although I guess Bethesda has been working on a lot of stuff. I think Bethesda and Microsoft are combining their shows, which makes sense given that they're the same entity now, basically. Uh, but yeah, there's the Ubisoft forward event on the 12th. I don't really have a lot to say about Ubisoft. I'm always curious to see what they're doing just because they have kind of a diverse p- portfolio. And I feel like they're never afraid to present that p- diverse f- portfolio in a single show, um, which I like. I like seeing stupid laser tag stuff on t- stage or something alongside like Rayman Legends and the next Ghost Recon or something like that. Like, I think that kind of diversity is stupid fun that most people are disappointed by, but I find a little fun. Um, and then also on Monday, there's Xbox Square Enix and then also like the PC gaming showcase thing. Um, I'm not really sure what I'm interested in seeing out of those. Square Enix I'm always interested in, although I feel like Square Enix has a lot of projects going on right now. So I don't really have a strong feeling that they're going to be um, open to like revealing all that much more. I could be wrong. Maybe the Final Fantasy Origin thing comes true. Uh, maybe we'll get to get a teaser of Final Fantasy VII Remake 2. I guess I don't know if that's what it would be called. Uh, part 2. Um, but I think I feel like the Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two might be a little too early. Maybe I don't know about that. I don't know if I I don't know if that's reasonable to say or not. And Nintendo has an event on the fifteenth. Nintendo I kind of don't expect a lot out of outside of Breath of the Wild Two. Basically, um, I think it's been long enough that they probably definitely need to show more of that game to make people feel things about it. Um, I definitely am always open for a new Monolith Soft game. I don't think we're ever going to get away from Xeno, or at least not anytime soon, unfortunately. So I'm, you know, hey, people like the Xeno games and I'm happy for them. I like the Xeno games. I enjoy all those games that I've played except for Xeno Saga Episode 3. Um, but I want Monolith to make things that are not Xeno Saga <laughs> or Xeno games. Um, so I'm a little disappointed that, that, that we're probably going to still hurdle our way towards a, a Xeno future for Monolith Soft, but I can't really blame them, right? Like they finally have success. It's time make use of it um anyways uh but yeah that is that is e3 schedule stuff i'm sure we'll talk about it i don't know if we'll talk about ubisoft forward all that much but it will be on the 12th so there's a chance i might see it before the um the uh the next podcast and then we could talk about it if there's anything really adventurous the next news story is that yuji naka has left scoring enix he it was kind of rumored for a little bit not really rumored but like uh yuji had like updated his bios on Facebook and Twitter to kind of mention Square Enix in past tense, or at least that's what people were saying who were translating it. Essentially it's all in Japanese. So what do I know? Well, I, I might've been able to figure it out actually, if I really stared at it, but 
I did not really stare at it. Um, but anyways, he eventually uh, came out and, and officially confirmed that he left in April. Um, you know, if you if you don't know what's going on there, he was the guy who was kind of the the face of Balan Wonderworld, big uh, lead on that game. And um, if you didn't know. Balan Wonderworld was not received very well and probably did not sell very well either. Um, so I'm not sure. I saw, it's always one of those things that people were like, oh, Square Enix fired him. I'm like, I don't know about that. Um, you know, maybe, maybe not. I don't really know. It's, it's, nobody really has the information to say, I think. And uh, Yuji Naka on this, this thing, you know, I, he's not going to be, you know, it's probably not going to be that he's going to be like, oh, yeah, screw Square Enix, something like that, right? He pretty much just came out and said, like, oh, yeah, I left. Can't really talk about it right now. Um, but, but yeah. So it's interesting because his original post that he did um, where he was talking about Prope, he was mentioning that he was like, oh, I look forward to maybe making new games soon or something like that. Um, meanwhile, on this post specifically, he specifically talked a little bit about retiring. Um, you know, he is... He is 55. Um, I'm kind of of the mind, and maybe this is just people overworking themselves to death in the industry all the time. Um, but, you know, you got your Miyamoto's up there and, and a lot of other like Yuji Horii and things like that who are still working on video games. So in my mind, Yuji Naka is like still fairly young. So I'm like, oh yeah, Yuji Naka still got a handful of games within him. Um, whether they're games anybody wants is a whole other thing. I'm going to guess that if he works on anything, it's going to be back to mobile, back to Legend of Coin, the game... Before Battle of Wonder World, there was Legend and Pirates of Coin, and Yuji Naka programmed those games <laughs> on on iOS. And I I have Legend and Coin on my phone, ready to go at a moment's notice. I can play it whenever. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I'd imagine maybe something more along the lines of of what Prope was doing, but. Um, you know, Prope is, is basically a shell of a company. And, and I think with that, that anniversary post, he mentioned that, uh, I think it's, I think it's called Buddy Monster. That game finally had its services shut down after like eight years and being like on life support, essentially. Um, so they shut that game down, but there are still games at, at uh, Prope that are, that are still online, on live and existing. One game that I always wanted to try from Prope that I never really got around to, unfortunately, because a, a couple things. One, I didn't have a smartphone at the time, or at least I didn't. Did I have a smartphone at the time? I, I, I probably had a smartphone at the time, but I didn't know anything about jailbreaking phones or playing import games or anything like that. Although I probably could have done like blue stacks. Did I have a PC at the time that could have done that? Probably. Anyways, all that aside, um, point being, Absolutely Innocent Princess was a game where you played as fairy tale princesses and you went around and fought dark versions of those princesses in like RPG battles. Game actually looks very much built on, or rather, Buddy Mission or Buddy. Uh, monster seems built on on princess uh, absolutely incident pr innocent princess's engine um but but yeah it's basically like an rpg thing where you kind of uh circle around an enemy and attack them and things like that and dodge attacks that way and you like go from different dots and and you would eat food to get energy to get between those different dots this is all my understanding of the game this is all in japanese and i never played it keep that in mind um but man i love the look of that game and it's like oh you have cinderella in the game and pocahontas and and a bunch of other characters they're all really cute and i like them a lot but unfortunately it was from a time before i was just kind of open to playing those kind of games i still was just like hey princess debut ha 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 i'm a guy playing this game rather than just being like actually enjoying princess debut or rather i was enjoying princess debut but i would not admit it <laughs> or maybe not admit that i was just having a good time with it i was i was always playing it up kind of thing um so you know that was just that time i could have i could have been the, I could have played Love and Barry in the arcade if I if I had if I had it in me to, to embrace embrace that kind of game. But now I can play DC Supergirls Teen Power Superhero Girls Teen Power with no issue whenever I want, whenever I want. That's it for news. Although actually, let me talk about one more thing. I was I was maybe thinking about not talking about this, but and, it, and this may have been a couple weeks ago at this point. I can't remember. Blaster Master Zero. <laughs> Like, man, this is a weird thing. So if you don't know what's going on with Blaster Master Zero, and it's not that crazy when you sit down and think about it. There's probably a logical reason behind licensing and things like that. But Blaster Master Zero, digital game by Empty Creates. They released Blaster Master Zero 1 and 2, digital only, and then Limited Run Games in America was like, hey, physical copies, you can buy them. And I was like, I like Empty Creates, and I'll buy it. Also, I'll buy Blaster Master Zero, not, Zero 2, not because I want it, but because... I want to get it now because just in case, because it's limited run games or whatever. 
I don't feel that way now. I'll get into it here in a second. Anyways, so so they released those two things. Um, and then they announced Blaster Master Zero 3. And then in Japan, they announced Blaster Master Zero Trilogy, a physical copy of Blaster Master Zero 1, 2, and 3 um, that includes voice acting on the physical disc. But the digital versions do not include voice acting. Just, just that physical copy in Japan uh, includes voice acting. And apparently, I think it includes the English text on there. At least Play Asia lists it as including the English text in that in that, that cartridge. And then in, in the U.S., we have Blaster Master Zero 3 getting a limited run release with the voice acting for Blaster Master Zero 3. But they're not going to update Blaster Master Zero 1 and 2 for voice acting. So I kinda, I'm kind of a few minds of this. One... The voice acting stuff is weird, but I kind of get it. You know, licensing stuff. I'm sure there's a reason why they, they have to, like, pay extra to, to do it digitally or whatever, right? Um, but it is kind of weird that they released these two things, Blastmaster Zero, 1 and 2, physical in the U.S., and then in Japan, they're like, hey, here's Blastmaster Trilogy. Everything in one package for 60 bucks. How about it? <laughs> and then in, in, in the U.S., it's like, oh, yeah, here's your here's your last, like, like you know, crappy version of this game i mean it's kind of cool in the sense that you get individual copies for each game and stuff like that and if you were a real blaster master zero fan you would buy all four um, kind of thing um you know it's not that big of a deal but i'm just kind of like i don't know it's i think it it, it, it expands it kind of like it digs into a problem that i have with lunar run games right now where i'm just like i don't want to buy lunar run games because they always take forever to ship i always feel like i have to buy them in the window and i hate that feeling it's something I hate with Nintendo. It's why I didn't buy Fire Emblem. Because I, like, I hate that like 30-day limited window. Of, you got to buy this now or you're never going to get it for a good price. And the more and more time goes on, the more and more... Or rather, more and more I had to stress about that stuff. The more and more I was like, wow, this isn't worth it. So I'm like... And, and so it's not a problem with Learn Run games. And it's not really a problem with Integrates specifically. I'm sure Integrates would have loved to include everything in all those copies, right? I'm sure it's just how things worked out. It did not play out that way. Um, because how things are. So it's just like, what in the world's going on? So anyways, if you want digital versions of Blastmaster Zero 1 through 3, you don't get any voice acting. That means you can't get it voice acting on, I think, any platform other than the Switch. And in the US, you can only get Blastmaster Zero 3 with voice acting, but only the physical version of it from Limit Run Games. But in Japan, if you get the digital versions, you also don't get voice acting. But if you get the physical trilogy, then you do get voice acting. So what a thing. It's not that big of a deal, but it's just like, what a what a... I need a I need a pre-order chart for this game <laughs> kind of thing. Um, anyways, so I think what I might end up doing is I don't want to buy Blaster Master Zero Three from Limited Run Games. Um, I just don't really want to buy Limited Run Games in general. Not anything personally against them, just I don't really like the model and and, and all that other stuff I already mentioned. Um, and I don't like how long it takes. It's going to be like a year and a half till I get that copy of Blastmaster Zero Three. So I might end up giving a cop my copies of Blastmaster Zero One and Two to a friend, and then just picking up Trilogy because it's like not that more much more expensive to pick up Trilogy, and I probably will get that way sooner than Blastmaster Zero Three. Then I have everything in a single package, and I assume I can play it with English text and Japanese voice acting. I might just keep those copies of One and Two just to make sure I can actually do that. Although, worst case scenario, even if I can only play with, like, the English text and the Japanese voice acting won't be enabled, then, you know, I still have Blastmaster Trilogy on a single selection. So I might just do that and just live my life. Gave Inti Creates almost all the money I could potentially give them for this thing, but I think Blaster Master Zero really was, like, the breaking point of, like, I really don't want to buy any more limited run games anymore. And it's I don't think it's anybody's fault in particular. It's just the, the nature of that business model does not work for how I want to shop for games. Um, I just don't like that, that kind of fear of missing out kind of thing and, like, feeling like that's being exploited in me and things like that. That's why I hate what Nintendo's doing with, like, oh, you can only buy Mario 64 until March 31st. And it's, like... Or I could just play any other version <laughs> that's, you know, or, or, you know, if I really was desperate for something improved, there are ways to play improved versions of Mario 64. So, um, I had to re-record a lot of sections of this podcast, so I actually have no idea how long it's been. Uh, my thing says an hour. This might be like a 30 minute podcast and that's it. I don't know. Maybe it's a really long podcast. Anyways... That's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlPro.com is the website. Um, if you didn't see, there was an Espion Agents, or rather Industrial Spy Operation Espionage Review, which is a game called Espion Agents Japan. I started calling it Espion Agents for some reason. 
because I'm a weeb, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, like, why I defaulted. Maybe it's just espionage agents is just, like, an easier name to say than industrial spy operation espionage, right? Industrial spy is not that bad either, but industrial spy is very generic, too. So espionage agents feels good and feels right to me. So I don't know. We'll see. But either way, that casual review is up. That game is a game I absolutely love. But man, it's not very good. <laughs> there, it, it's really that that game is kind of crazy. Where it is literally like almost everything about that game is very neat and cool, but just like one particular set of issues just like bulldozes anything that game could ever be. It's just like the fact you don't see any of the lever. You can go watch it, but I, I don't think I've ever had a game just be such a hard gap between like. I love this. Oh, this game is suffering to play. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I honestly, I'm like somewhat tempted to import the Japanese version and be like, let me look at this version of the game because I'm dumb because no one would be, make that game easier and already immensely confusing game to play in English. Japanese text. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. Um, I also went ahead and edited together a Real Heroes Firefighters uh, casual review. Um, it's not going to go up until I think the 16th. So I'm pushing those out. I'm, I'm really going to make sure I just kind of like, if I do those casual reviews back to back, give them some space between them just to make sure I'm not like, I don't want to just be cramming those reviews out all the time because then that eats up a bunch of time that I can't work on other things and it's going to burn me out and I won't be able to get the things done that I want to get done. Um, and the thing that I want to get done right now is the PCFX script for the English guide to PCFX stuff. Uh, specifically, I have kind of a fully featured video that gives you an overview of the software of the PCFX and kind of how you can approach it and, and how, what you can get out of the PCFX's library. Um, I think it turned out to be a very good script overall. Um, you know, maybe I'll hate it in two weeks, but right now, I think it turned out to be pretty good. I shared it with Filler, who did the PCFX podcast with me, who runs the Playongo um, uh, YouTube channel, and he seems to like it, so I think we're probably good. He also helped me out on the RPG section a bit because I have not played that many RPGs on on the PCFX yet. So thank you, Filler, for that if you were listening. Um, so yeah, I don't know when that's going to be done at this point because there's kind of another component to that where I have to make those individual videos for Battle Heat, First Kiss Story, and Sparkling Feather. And then also, I forget the name of the game. It's like Maka and Do Z or something like that. Um, uh, Filler sent me a a like a sample script so we can see if maybe I can put something together without me having to really like play an entire game. So, so we can use his knowledge and foundation of that game. And then I can use like a little bit of my ignorance of Japanese playing it just to kind of figure out like what's going on. And, you know, he has, I think he has an understanding of also, you know, what you could understand with that game without knowing any Japanese as well. And, um, and just try to put that together to be a, something that I can put out um, faster because I would like to do, ideally the entire PCFX library, um, we all know that is not going to happen. But I like setting that goal. So maybe eventually we can have a chunk of the PCFX library. And so when somebody is ever like, I want to play the PCFX, what games can I play? Then I can lead them to First Kiss Story and say, you should not play this. Don't do it. But if you really want to, you can join me <laughs> in, in, in the First Kiss Story world that I live. That's it for this week. Thanks for coming. One controller comes to the website. And uh, we'll be streaming some more Dirge Cerberus on, on 7 p.m. Thursday this week. So if you want to come check that out, come do so. As a reminder, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, we have a coffee set up. So if you want to donate some money, you can do that. You can get a podcast topic. You can get a stream game. You can also get me an SD card slash compact flash reader for my PC. Any of those things. You can do them through the magic of coffee. I hope you have a great week. Bye.